live from the historic River Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. Swimming in toxic masculinity and wiping their ass with politically correct wash rags. Two douchebags and a microphone invade your ear holes in three, two, one. Okay, this is oh, okay. This is making a much bigger difference now. So okay, and I've got you on the headphones. Okay, cool. So oh, good. I'm gonna set. That's gonna help a lot in a format like this. Yeah. So let me set the mic to pick up everywhere in a circle. That way, I can aim both of us at the microphone. Good. All right. So we're going right now. Okay. We're on right now, but we can edit this part okay. out earlier. So we're off. That's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Welcome to Douchebags and a Microphone. Special edition, huh? Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I am right now on a cruise ship, um, overlooking the uh, from our balcony, overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and uh, calling in because, quite frankly, we love doing remote. Whether it's a filthy bean or out on the Pacific, we give to you. That's what we do. Yes, we're we're such giving people. <laughs> yes, we are. Yep, yep. We give you our food if we had a saw to cut it off with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've got two feet. I can I can spare one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I'll hop around. I'll hop around for you, the listener, Joe Lister. I'll hop around for you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're from now on, the Joe Lister. Yes. <laughs> oh, go ahead. So I say you're at you're at a, you're so at right a town. The delay. Yeah, we've got a little bit of time delay, so we're going to step on each other for a little bit, but it's all right. Um, give you some perspective here. Yes, in uh, in Kansas City today, it is cloudy and it is raining, and we're supposed to get up to sixty eight today, but then we're supposed to drop down to twenty four tonight. So that's going to be a fun day. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a. Uh... Uh, the typical um, get pneumonia day in Kansas City. Yeah, jerk you up and jerk you down. I wish they jerk me off, yeah. but you know it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on how you look at the jerking off. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. It might be a rough one. Yeah, springtime weather is pretty typical for that in Kansas City. It'll it'll whipsaw you back and forth between a mild day and a freezing day, and Anybody that gets uh, ailments based oh, yeah. on change in the weather, they're uh, they're really suffering and during the springtime in Kansas City. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The springtime gets me because, like I said, I don't get um, migraines like you do. Uh, but when I know it's bad, whenever I get a little bit of a migraine, yeah, because uh, mine used to be uh, a lot worse. And they're getting better with age, like you were saying. I looked up on it, too. And they get better with age, generally. But you're one of the rare people where it's the opposite. And so mine's getting better. So whenever I get one, I know it's a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's pretty common for people to feel some pressure, especially in their sinuses when you got a weather front moving in. But uh, yeah, that's that's a small version of what migraine sufferers generally get. Is you know, ooh, my head's thumping. What's going to happen? And then the day comes, yeah. and you're, you know, you're knocked out for the count. Yeah, but... and also I I got to be. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's done. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. What I'm saying is, to be fair, I don't think I've ever gotten like you get a note, so I could really probably understand exactly how you feel. Yeah. I just have a little bit of an idea. Um, a really bad hangover is pretty close to a migraine. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> At least for me, there's there's a real similarity well, between uh, migraines quick. and hangovers. So <laughs> it's one of the reasons I don't drink anymore. <laughs> I can understand that completely. You can get that feeling on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I got a Southwest story. Excellent. Yeah, I know you've heard part of it, but let me describe this a little bit better and how inept, in my opinion, that company is. Yeah, they're they're really showing their stripes, aren't they? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've never been more disappointed at a company in my life, I don't think, than Southwest. Mm-hmm. Maybe the bathroom remodelers, but that's a whole different story. Those idiots. But um, uh, anyhow, this whole fiasco started. I booked my flight well in advance, four months before. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, everything's fine. Everything's great. Um, they keep sending me little notices. Hey, your flight's coming up in two months. Hey, your flight's coming up in one month. I'm like, okay, good, great, great. Can't wait. So then um, the day of, I was unable to check in, so I did the early bird, so I didn't have to check in because I knew I had to be at work, and then yeah. I had to go to a wedding after work, so I had no time until 11 at night. Yeah. And I almost waited, I almost waited till the next morning, like, yeah, you know what, I got the early bird, I'm checked in already, but I was like, you know what, I didn't hear shit from Southwest, so I better check. Yeah. So, I, okay, I go to check. And it says my flight was canceled. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then I call up Southwest, and I'm furious. And the chick's been a complete bitch. She goes, well, it says here you canceled. And I said, well, I can tell you I didn't. <laughs> well, did your wife cancel? I can tell you she didn't. This time I'm fucking furious. I go, Neither one of us canceled. You guys fucking did it. And she goes, well, I don't want to hear that word again. And I said, well, you know what word I don't like to hear? Cancel. And she hung up on me. That's, a, so, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm choking. I'm worst customer service uh, it's ever. It's allergy there. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, I choked on my coffee while you were telling me. I I choked on my coffee while you were telling me that. She's like, I don't want to hear that word again. (laughs) Oh my god. And then I probably told her, I don't want to hear the word cancel, but I did. So, anyhow, she goes, 
She goes, I'm going to terminate the call with you. So, anyhow, she hangs up, so I call back. And no one answers. No one fucking answers. Wow. Yeah. The the Southwest main number. The main number. Nobody answers. I was curious. So then I booked... Gosh. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying, was she the only one there and she knew it was you calling back and she didn't want to answer? <laughs> that's what I think. That's what I think it was. God. Because I don't know why else I call back and no one answers. That's weird. So, yeah. So, anyhow, the uh, I, I booked a flight with American, okay? Uh-huh. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But, uh, well, actually, Wendy from Travel Masters. She's awesome. She helped me through all of this. Because first thing we did was we called her. She's a good friend of ours. We met her on a cruise last year, and Wendy went back to Travel Masters. is excellent. And she helped find us another flight. That is until Americans screwed up, too. So so she finds us another flight, and I book it. uh, But then they never sent a confirmation number. That's... So she said, you better call back just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I called back. And uh, anyhow, they didn't have any record of it. Oh. So no. <laughs> this is getting, I know, this is getting towards 2 in the morning. So Wendy goes ahead and books it directly. And it sends me a confirmation number. And, and anyhow, that should have been it, right? Yeah. It should have been like, okay, Yeah. Well, like with Southwest, I had a confirmation number. That should have been it. Yeah. So I called back to American Airlines, and anyhow, they said, well, if you read the fine print, and uh, and instead, the lady said something to this effect, that this is based on cancellations, and that you're not guaranteed a seat. Oh, my God. So I said, well, I said, yeah. So I said, you said, within 24 hours. And that's what you get. So I said, well, then what if I don't get a seat? Can I stand up on the plane? Oh, oh no, no. Yeah. So then what? Well, we can put you on stand. We can put you on standby. Oh, oh so you want me to wait at the airport all day. Is there even another flight going out that day? Uh, there might be one more. One more flight for the whole day. I'm like, uh, uh. yeah. Yeah. So I go, I go, okay, hang on. I'll call back. So then I called Southwestern back up, and I started going up the line, up the line, up the line. It took me forever. This is the next day at this point. Yeah. I mean, I quit at 2 o'clock the night before, you know, because it's like I was exhausted. I worked all day, <laughs> went to a wedding all night, and I was just worn out. So yeah. I, I think I have a fight with American. And I may have, to be perfectly honest, but I could not find <laughs> out the way they were talking about, yeah. you know. Uh, so... So, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and and, and I, I'm like, you know what, I, I'm just going to call Southwest and start talking to them and, and let them know how bad they let me down. So I started going up the chain, up the chain, because, of course, no one wants to do anything about it, you know. Yeah, true. So one lady, finally I got a hold of the right lady, and she was really with it. And she goes, yeah, she goes, here's what happened. She goes, when you book the uh, early bird flight, the, you know, the move up in the rankings, um, Something did go right with a credit card, like maybe it was like the last three numbers or something, so it automatically cancels you. Oh. And, and I'm like, what? I go, well, why didn't you, why didn't you guys send me a message or something saying, hey, 
it's incomplete. You need to complete it. Oh, yeah. it just doesn't do it for some reason. Oh, God. And, yeah. So I'm like, so all this time, I thought I had a flight. And because of a little glitch, I didn't, I, you know, I tried to move up because I could not fill anything out that day. I couldn't guarantee that I could check in on time and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyhow, so we book another flight to Southwest. And, um, and it's, it's, it's got a layover everything, which we did want to do. And I lost 80 bucks in Vegas, long story short, because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, those bastard slot machines. They called my name. They yeah. begged me to come over. You always and use then, money in then Vegas. when it's all done, you know. <clears throat> what? I said, everyone always loses money in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You don't work. They don't build those things by losing money. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... So anyhow, it, it was a it was a layover. It was going to be a two hour layover, but it ended up being a five hour layover because our flight was uh, delayed. Gosh, long day. Yeah, yeah. So, but we did get we did get to Los Angeles, but we did not get to meet up with my friend Denise till way later. A friend that we met on the last cruise, Denise and her daughter Olivia, really great people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't get to we didn't get to meet up with them until way later, so we didn't get a whole lot of time with them. We only got a few hours with them instead of maybe a whole afternoon. So, but we got there. That's so, um, in that sense, that's what kind of came through for us. But and they gave us a hundred dollars credit each one. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not even sure if we're going to use it at this point because of how bad they dropped the they dropped the uh, dropped the ball. Yeah, it'd be better if they had taken $100 off of your current flight, but they they know they give you credit towards another flight, so if you never go near them again, it doesn't cost them. That's, yeah, that yeah shows, they already know I'm angry as hell at them. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a half-assed attempt at an apology because they know most times people won't even use it because they don't want to use the airline anymore. So they gave you an apology with a condition on yeah. it. You have to buy another air ticket in order to use their apology. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of describing it, actually. Yeah. It's like, we're sorry, but only <laughs> this sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. people will yeah. treat us and, the way that we I let them treat us. <clears throat> yeah, as long as we let the airlines continue to treat us this way and keep buying airline tickets, they will see no reason to change. Because they're like, oh, we're treating them like shit, but they keep buying tickets. We're going to keep treating them like shit. That's what the airlines are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you don't like it, drive your car next hey, time. They're, they're not <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly, 100%. And that's how come they're getting away with this, because the rude, the American public, the mouth breeders, are all running in line to get kicked in the ass. Yeah, they've been brought up thinking that airline travel is something they're entitled to and is expected, like breathing or having a house or buying groceries. It's like, everybody flies. You just have to. I mean, that's the attitude these people have. It's like, no, stay home or drive or do something else. But no, you don't have to fly. Everyone's just looking for an excuse to fly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean... 
the bottom line is the American people have been groomed to take shit for service, and people are eating it up like a bunch of roots. Yeah, it's disgusting, because people like us who want decent service, we get pushed to the side because, you know, they're already making their money off the idiots who are okay with being treated badly. Oh, well. Yeah, and I guarantee you, I'll go step further, uh, I'll go step further, Topher. If they never hear from me again, they don't give a shit. No, they've got somebody to take your place. Exactly. They're like, hey, so we pissed Mark off. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> That's, what, three flights a year? It used to be... It, it used to be I had more clout because I went out of town for work all the time. Yeah. And, you know, they saw my name about every other week. Now, since I maybe fly three or four times a year, they could really not give a shit less. And as long as the airplanes are full and there aren't any empty seats and people are on standby, then they don't care if people drop off because they're sick of it. Because they know they got people waiting on the list to take their place. So there's no incentive for them to make anything and, and better. They, exactly. I can guarantee you they are full because I just witnessed two full planes. And and we flew into Long Beach Airport, which is a very small airport, and half of it is outdoors. <laughs> it's really unique. And wow. even that plane was full. Yeah. Yeah. Two douchebags in a microphone, raw and uncensored. See Behind the Smoke Show. Watch as the douchebags get stung by a swarm of bees. Enjoy one of many coffee houses ordering our heroes out. Watch Mark revisit Clinton, Missouri to claim his innocence for all the mad shitter accusations. Act now and get both high quality DVD sets and a free douchebag calendar. Mark off today with a douchebag looking at you. Supplies are limited, so act now. A constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. You're the reason tubes of toothpaste have instructions on them. So that says a lot when you get to a little airport like that and it's full too. I think the airlines are making back all the money they lost during COVID because people are flying like crazy. And the airlines are cutting corners left, right, and sideways because they see that big pile of red ink on their financial ledgers and they're like we got to make that covid money back so screw the public every way possible because everyone's desperate to fly they're gonna take it even though they all got money from the government aka us yes (laughs) oh it just gets sadder and sadder doesn't it (laughs) it really does yeah and look i mean my problem is I don't have enough vacation time, so I'm kind of forced to fly if I want to take a cruise. That, that's true. You're you're landlocked here in the middle of the U.S., so unless you want a riverboat cruise, you, you yeah, gotta fly somewhere. Yeah, I switched somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have no desire to go down the Mississippi River. <laughs> no, thank you. No, I'll, I'll stay out here in the Pacific or the Atlantic or the Gulf of Mexico, preferably. Yeah, that's definitely a lot more fun than muddy brown water slowing, flowing slowly past. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and hot sun stilts. Oh yeah. Never now and then you see some guy picking a banjo. Are on. A mile away now. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was going to say every now and then you see somebody picking a banjo yeah, on the riverbank. Going, <laughs> man, it's been a while since one of them boats broke down. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I want to make that guy squeal like a pig. <laughs> yeah. That boats are too reliable anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm relegated to shitty service at an airline. So. Yeah. Oh, and then and then I gotta finish my story off with American. Oh, okay. So I call back American, and I'm like, <clears throat> Yeah, I go look. I go here's what happened. You know, I was un I, I was unaware of the circumstances. You know, I'd like to have my money back. Nope. Uh, crew, uh, uh, um, flight credit. Yeah. Ugh. So I have to use them again too if I want it. Yeah, I. It, so fifteen hundred dollars. I'm going to be forced to use that, even though I don't want to. Yeah, and the guarantee they aren't going to pay you interest on that, but they're going to get interest on it because they're going to invest Shit, it. No. Yeah, <clears throat> man, there ought to be a warner, a warning, yeah. or a disclaimer, or something right up front. Is any money you pay, you will never get back except in the form of credits towards future flights. I mean, that ought to be a big-ass disclaimer in the largest print on the screen to make you think twice before you give many of your money. It should, it should be, and actually, if Biden and all of them are serious about what they say about these ridiculous uh, fees and, the, and that big old spiel that he did the other day, yeah. he would make sure that that happened. Yeah. But, but... That's never going to happen, and that's because there's too much money involved, and they get their cut, so they don't care. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's repeating myself, and it sounds obvious, but people keep, they need to be re reminded of it, that these airlines are in business to make money from you. They're not in the business to give you a wonderful mm -hmm. flight or a, a wonderful ex vacation experience or anything. No, the commercials say that. But the reality is they want your money and that's it. And they'll lie and cheat and schmooze and pretend to be somebody in order to get your money. But they want your money. And once they got it, they don't want to give it back unless it's pried out of their fingers by the law. So whatever the commercials tell you about happy, yeah. smiling faces and we care for you, realize that behind those faces is a board of directors and they say, give us the fucking money or we'll kill you. That's their attitude towards their their uh, junior managers. It really is. So it, it they is. gotta squeeze every penny, cut every corner, give you shitty food, pack you in like sardines, and then run a commercial that says, "We love you. We want you to fly our airline because we love you." I mean, it's all bullshit. But people want to believe the happy lie, and then they get on the airplane. Oh fuck! Exactly. This sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> but got it again. Yep. <laughs> um, here's something too: the people smiling at you on these commercials—they're paid actors. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that yeah. in the, yeah, the post-Super show. We, you know, on the Super Bowl show and the parade show from from Kansas City, we saw how real live TV goes with you know unscripted moments and mm -hmm. random people that's not what you ever see anywhere else on tv it just doesn't exist so there's no reality no. there when we it was very refreshing to see it yeah we actually saw what reality is 
And it shows you how everything else you see on TV is manipulation. Tightly controlled. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it was refreshing to see people, you know. That's why I like live music so much. You know, I went out to hear band play, and some of the guys made some mistakes here and there, and they laughed them off, and it's like, but they're real musicians. They're not a programmed machine spitting out what's been, you know, programmed into them. That's the great part. It's spontaneous. You never know what's going to uh, happen yeah, next. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's why I don't have any respect for uh, uh, voice tracking of a rock band. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of makes me... It pisses uh, me off with the vocals. Yeah, when the vocals are just you know, exactly the same. and It's like I go home and listen to the record and it's just like this. <laughs> the record, the CD, the yeah. The only time I maybe... Hmm? Go ahead. Yeah, the only time maybe I want to hear a voice track is like uh, um, this Bill or Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. That's for obvious reasons. <laughs> I was thinking about concerts like yeah, uh, the, I, the concerts Madonna does or Taylor Swift or, you know, those type of shows, um, Adele, Kanye West, etc. There's not one spontaneous moment in the entire show. Everything is rehearsed and choreographed and there's no room for improv or spontaneity. Everything's the exact same every single night because all the lights and all the sound and all the choreography is already keyed and planned and programmed for one particular, you know, performance. So they go on stage night after night in town after town and do the exact same performance that they just did. How boring must that get? It, it, it is boring because have you ever seen them on TV and then you see the same show each time? Yes. That's it right there. Nothing happens. Nothing happens out of ordinary. Nothing. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. I, imagine being an actor and you had three lines and every day you had to step up to a microphone and deliver those three lines. And that was it. You never got to do anything else. Would, you know, that's not fulfilling for an actor. How is it fulfilling for a dancer or a singer or a musician to play the exact same thing every single time because somebody told you to? Ew. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, and now you know, that's how some of these top-tier musicians like that, or whatever you want to call them, actors or whatever, that's how come they always they have no emotion. It's always the same. They always have the same look on their face. Mm -hmm. Everything. They're bored to death, and you can tell. Yep. They're hammering out what's been expected of them, and then they can go on. You know, and if you can get your personal fulfillment elsewhere, that's great. But uh, it just occurred to me that these these long tours with these pre-programmed shows just must get so monotonous that sex and drugs would be the only thing you have to look forward to. <laughs> and that's usually, that's usually what happens. Yeah, yeah. They get ultra bored and they slip out and do crazy shit. Yep. And then they become even more popular because of the spectacle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they start snorting ants at the side of the pool or something, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. That's cool. That is cool. That that's is cool. cool. Man. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good old Ozzy. I mean, who uh, else yeah, would that, snort that, ants? That... <laughs> <laughs> uh... You know, they were like they were like thinking him as like an older guy, and he was going to like be more relaxed. You know, they're like, man, we're going to out crazy this guy, and, and they're like, there's no way. I don't care if he's ten years older. He's nuts. He's insane. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ozzy uh, always had surprises what, for people. One of the worst stories is, and this is gross, but uh, anyhow, Nikki Six and Ozzy were out crazy each other, and Ozzy uh, took a piss on the ground, then he jumped down and he licked it. And, and then Nikki Six went to go do the same thing, then Ozzy jumped down and licked him. <laughs> <laughs> nasty. And, and Nikki's, like, Nikki's like, we're not, I know it's nasty. He goes, Nikki says, we're not beating this guy. Give it up. <laughs> yeah. Stakes are getting high pretty quick. And that's when Sharon, <laughs> and that's when Sharon said the rest of the, rest of the tour, they were going to do another leg. They, she said, no. She <laughs> said, one of you guys are going to end up dead. It's not all of you. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. You know, <laughs> they were on a collision course. Oh, she saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. She saw the writing on the wall and said, we're going to end this. We're going to abort this right now. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Their kinds, their, their particular kinds of crazy really meshed well together. And it was like gasoline and an accelerant. You know, <laughs> you went from a moderate dumpster <laughs> yeah. fire to, yeah. you know, towering inferno. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to miss that because uh, I think money situation or something. I was a teenager, but that would have been one of the best shows to ever see because they were literally trying to out crazy each other on stage. Oh yeah, they take that competition to every every waking moment. <laughs> yep, the only guy that didn't have fun on that tour was probably J.P. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was getting a lot of flaps, you know. Randy Randy Rhodes died. There's yeah. nothing they could do about it. He was built that plane crash. Yeah. And people were, like tripping off going, Fuck you, you're not Randy. Not his fault, dude. <laughs> no, I know. It's like look it, look, if he took his spot and like they fired Randy or something, that would be different. True. But the guy died, and they needed someone to play. And J.K. Lee was a damn good player, too. I mean. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that uh, this you dovetails imme- that really well with... Uh, I watched a show about ACDC uh, a couple days ago, and mm-hmm. what really uh, struck me was the transition from Bon Scott to Brian Johnson. Uh, they did an entire album... As a tribute to Bon Scott, the back in black, and you know, songs about mourning him and carrying on. So when they went out on yeah. tour, of course they had the they had the advantage that it wasn't in the middle of a tour the way it was with Ozzy. But it was, you know, between albums when Bon Scott yeah, died. But they put an album and an entire tour that was basically a love letter to Bon Scott, so there was no chance for the crowds to get hostile because the whole thing was a giant rockin' love fest for Bon Scott, and, you know, here's our new guy. So, I mean, that was just the possibly the best transition that you could ever think of. 
is the way ACDC did it. It was amazing. And also, they weren't that big in America. Yeah, not yet. A lot of people didn't even realize it was two different singers. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. A lot of people didn't because they do. Highway to Hell was the one that they released before that. It got big airplay in America, but they still were not a huge act like they were overseas. No. So most people didn't even know in America that Bon Scott had even been there. They thought that Brian Johnson was a singer the whole time. That's true, and then and then they did break big in America, and they started playing some of their previous albums, and people are like, wait a second, who's this other singer? And that's when the confusion started. It's like, oh, yeah. they got a new singer now, and yeah, I remember that time now. It was yeah, they they started playing whole lot they of Rosie. playing their younger stuff because they got huge. Yeah, Dirty Deeds, and that's when a majority of America found out. Yeah. yeah, Dirty Deeds, that was huge, huge. Yeah, yeah a high school friend of mine. And, uh, uh, I and remember. Yeah. I remember a high school friend of mine. Uh, um, I was talking to him. Uh, I get no. I was at his house because he was playing me these these albums back when you know people were buying vinyl. And uh, he said, I, "I've I've learned mm-hmm. this this hot new band called ACDC. They're from Australia." And he started playing me uh, some of their older cuts like uh, "Walking Sideways" and "She's Got the Jack" and um stuff from her really yeah. early albums and he's like you know these guys are really cool and really good and and they sounded a little primitive to me at the time because i was really into the high gain you know loud rock and roll stuff but uh like six months later yeah. they exploded all over the radio and i thought wow <laughs> my friend jim knew all about him <laughs> so when people oh, yeah. started talking it, about then they, then they periodically came back uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, when people started talking about ACDC, I already knew all about them. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, these albums, these songs. So all of a sudden, I got a lot of credibility because I knew about the hot you know, hot new band. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the same here. I was the same way. I had an older brother that started turning me on to this stuff and explaining it. And then the other thing is they periodically came out with hits from way back. Yes. They became radio hits somehow. Like the DJ started playing them. Uh-huh. Touch too much. Yes. I'm not sure which album that's often, but man, it hit hard in America. It went like the number two, mm-hmm. and no one even knew what album it was on. They're looking at the new album, going, "Hey, I can't find this song." <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, it's from ten years ago. Yeah, a whole lot of Rosie. That was an awesome hit. Yeah, that was that was another one right there. That um, thing, but, uh, yeah, oh, and that was another one where people are going, "Where the hell did I find this song?" The one with the bagpipes, a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll. That was yeah. a Bon Scott yeah. song. Oh man, that that's still my favorite so- rock and roll song with bagpipes in it. It's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, and that was Bon Scott actually playing the bagpipes. Awesome. Well, see, I'm part Scottish, so bagpipes. Are, yeah, are, are, I like bagpipes. And of course, you know, the other part of me is mostly German and doesn't like bagpipes. So I've got this conflict inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm conflicted. Yes. Well, uh, uh, my last. My last name is Wallace, so I got Scottish somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hear you. I love bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, uh, for you it was probably the Roman Empire mixing in uh, Scotland in with uh, the Mediterranean bloodlines because the Romans got as far as, as well, uh, partway through New uh, England. 
<laughs> and everybody, mm-hmm. everybody started yeah, so, marrying yeah, everybody so else. Like going, hey. <laughs> They're enslaving people, making them play bagpipes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, play this. Yeah. That, that's good for you, chap. Yep. Our young Roman men are going to come and have sex with your daughters. <laughs> yeah. Hey, play bagpipe. <laughs> yeah, while we have sex with your daughters. <laughs> oh. Or anything that moved. Yes. Yeah, those Romans were horny sons of bitches, weren't they? Oh shit! Yeah, they were they were demented fucks, no yeah. doubt about it. Oh man! Imagine, yep. imagine yeah, if they it, had it had. Shows you how yeah, imagine if they had had internet porn back then. They never would have had an empire. They'd all be busy in front of their computer screens jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Instead of a Holy Roman Empire, we'd have a big oh, man. tidal wave of white protein flowing forth from... <laughs> Ew, let's change the subject. Like, where, 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 where are these Romans? We can't find them. <laughs> They're the very tired-looking people over I hear there. about these people. <laughs> you can not recognize them because one, very... <laughs> one arm is muscular and the other isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not from drinking coffee. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like I always see these people during lunch and coffee time. <laughs> As you can tell which of these ancient, you can tell the ancient Roman is left-handed or right-handed by which palm has the hair on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, look, a lefty. Oh, my. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it probably would have saved the world a lot of trouble if they did have internet porn back then, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they talk about religion being the opiate of the masses. It's like, no, porn is. <laughs> you yeah. give people a healthy dose of well, religion. I mean, you broke it all down one day. Yeah. It keeps keeps you occupied. But, no, on I was the thinking, podcast, you... You, you give people a healthy dose of religion, and, and they uh, they tend to get excited and go do things in the name of their religion. But you give them a healthy dose of porn, uh, they'll have sex with themselves and fall asleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, it's just proof that they needed it back then. Yeah. That's what they needed. Yeah. Hey, we so could probably people wouldn't prevent... be devised in torture chambers. Yes. We could probably prevent world wars by just, you know, having people spend all their time and energy masturbating instead of, you know, scheming to overcome over the Hey, maybe that's why Putin is all, all upset about going into Ukraine and everything is he wasn't able to jerk off anymore, so he had to go uh send his troops into another country. We should just be sending I Viagra. Think you're right. That's just, the- yeah, just send Viagra to Putin and I think the whole thing will just go away. I think that's a great idea. Let's, <laughs> let's start a campaign by Agra to Putin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong with that? Really? <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that there won't be Everybody any Russian... Everybody's just like, I don't know. <laughs> there won't be any Russian death squads coming for us, I'm sure. 
no, 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 no. But he doesn't work like that. No, no. no. <laughs> we got to get the Viagra to him quick so he won't come after it. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. The Ukrainian colors are blue yeah. and yellow, and the Viagra is blue, so we ought to paint half the pill yellow just to just to make him angry. <laughs> Take your little blue and yellow pill there, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, do us all a favor here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know, that, that little angry bastard. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a... Uh... You know, just like I heard the other day. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was, I was just... Go ahead, like you're saying. I was I was just gonna change the subject, but if you're gonna change the subject, you can go ahead. No, 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 no. I was gonna ramble on. Oh, change okay. the subject, please. Alrighty. Well, here's here's something that uh, I was talking with my uh, my therapist the other day, and uh, she said something that mm-hmm. that really struck me as uh, um, as pretty true. Is she says uh, she was saying sometimes it's easier to feel guilty than forgiven and this came up in the context of even though you know if you've done something that you feel bad about and everyone has forgiven you and you still feel guilty about it she was saying sometimes that's because we are holding on to the guilty feeling because that is easier for us than to embrace being forgiven and move on so for the rest of the world, they're like, "Oh, we've, I, we've I, forgiven you, you know, move on." But we're we're still holding on to the guilt because that's somehow more comforting. Isn't that weird? But I totally see it. Uh, I totally see it too. I I think that that is one hundred percent correct, and I think it spawns from us not being the bigger person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. You it's, know, it's, it's like, like, oh, I failed. Why did I have to be forgiven? You know, I, you know, I was forgiven, but that still means I was I did something wrong and I needed to be forgiven. It's, yeah, I guess it's throwing up more roadblocks to prevent feeling better about it and moving on. It's it doesn't make sense to do it, but yeah, I know yeah, I know I do it. I know it. <laughs> it's weird. No, I, I think we're all like that, and I think the reason is is like you're you're disappointed and disgruntled with yourself because you weren't the bigger person. It would be easier if they stayed mad at you forever. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, see, they, they didn't appreciate me feeling remorse anyhow. Yeah, and I know sometimes for me, I start feeling like, uh, okay, I've done something that I shouldn't have done, and I got caught, and I need, you know, I should be disciplined or punished for it. But if someone lets me off the hook, then I'm unsatisfied. It's like, no, I, I need to be punished. You know, there are times when a punishment feels like yeah. the appropriate thing, and then I can move on because I've been punished. But if the person forgives me, then yeah. I get stuck. It's like, wait, nobody punished me. Nobody hit me or sent me to my room or, you know, made me pay a fine or anything. How can I get past this when nobody punished me? I think that's another place I get stuck. It, it- I agree, and I think it stems from childhood and then all the way on up to where we are now. True, true, because in my childhood when I did something wrong, I did get punished, you know, and and severely and 
right away, and and so that became the normal and the routine. You know, I screwed up. Okay, I'm going to get hit. Yeah. And it doesn't happen anymore. And it's like, wait a minute. And it. <laughs> well, yeah. And does it also does it speak psychological because you're afraid of what's coming? It's like, well, like whenever you got away with something when you were younger, you're always worried about getting caught. And then when oh, you get yeah. caught, you're worried about the punishment, right? Yeah. Is that the same type of feeling almost? Like, oh, no, it's coming. It's coming, whether it's coming from this person or someone else. It's coming. That's a I'm really pay good for what point. I did. That's a really good point because when, when, you when you're caught and punished, that's a closure point. It's like, okay, it's done. You know, I've I've suffered every consequence of this, and it's over now. I don't have to worry about it anymore. So it's you're missing that that, mm-hmm. that closure of it. You know, when they forgive you instead of punishing you, something inside you is still expecting the punishment, and you and yeah, and you don't think. And I think it's even deeper than that, to where you're like, well, well, this person may not punish me, but when it comes back to me, I know it's because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, and you start looking for looking for ways that the universe or karma or God or whoever is punishing you for the thing that you don't feel you got punished for. It's a whole big mess. Yeah, when yeah. The well, easiest thing to do is just say, "Okay, well, it's over. I forgive myself that. and move on." But gosh, it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also it gets to where, like, stuff like this, it can be something simple, like, oh, man, someone banged my car door. Well, that's because I was addicted to so-and-so and they forgave me. Yeah. And at that point, or we probably feel like, closure about man, it and we feel better. Uh-huh. Wow. Oh, go ahead about closure. You were saying something yeah. about closure. Yeah, it's like you see that dent in your car. And you say, I like you said, it's like, oh, it's because I was a dick to that guy the other day. And now you can feel better about it. When you think about being a dick to that guy, you think, oh, yeah, yeah you- and I got a dent on my car. So I've paid my debt. And now I can move on. And I guess that's, you know, that's better yeah. than dwelling on the guilt and feeling crappy about it. But there is a shortcut is when you get forgiven or you get off the, let off the hook or whatever. Just accept it, say thank you to whoever you thank, and move on. <laughs> it's not easy, but that is the shortcut. Exactly. <clears throat> it, it is a shortcut, but we're, we have it so ingrained with it that I'm the same way. I'm like, yeah, I can't let go of it. You know, it's like, man, I should have never done that. should have never done that. Yeah. And then it's like, it, it's you, you can let it eat you up or you can move on. Yeah. You do your best to move on, but sometimes it's not that easy, as we all know. Yeah. Oh, God. I, there's still things that I did in, in middle school that I cringe about every time I think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, never, I'll never meet any of those people again. Most of them have probably forgotten about it. Or if they if they do remember, they don't probably don't remember who I am or where I am. It's just, it's just a little something that apparently I hang on to to beat myself up with because nobody else is i'm the only one remembering it and feeling bad about it <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's yep. it's it's like uh no i've mentioned i've mentioned stuff yeah no i i mentioned stuff to people before like man i'm really sorry about that 
and they look at me funny and go, that never happened. I remember that they didn't. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go, yeah, I was a real Dixie. I'm sorry about that. And they're like, what? No, 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 that wasn't you. That was someone else, you know? And I'm like, wow. So I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> it meant nothing to them, and I'm the one that crushed it on myself, yeah. saying it was that bad. Yeah, I, I think I remember that being used as a plot line in a, a TV show or a TV movie or something where a person spent a lot of time and energy trying to make up for things and when they finally had it all ready and were ready to do the big apology and I'm sorry, the people they felt that they had wronged were like, oh, that was you? Man, I didn't even remember that. Oh, I got over that years ago. And... It was an illustration of yeah, how yeah. the person yeah. had wasted, I don't know it was a man or a woman, but they'd wasted so much time and energy feeling crappy about it and then trying to do a great big apology only to realize everyone had moved on except them. And I guess you could look at that as your own punishment. Yeah. It's like, well, they didn't punish me, but by golly, I punished myself over the last dozen years over this, so I guess I'm square, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I remember a couple of instances where I did that, and I went back to, like, a childhood friend and said, hey, I'm really sorry, mm-hmm. and they gave me the weirdest look both times. <laughs> they just gave me the weirdest look, like, what? <laughs> that never happened, and, dude. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny how we do stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I also think that we kind of make it bigger in our mind, like, you know, because of our guilt feelings and and how we've been raised as a child from child up about don't do this, that's bad. Yeah. If you do, you're gonna get punished. How it is it's so ingrained in your mind <laughs> that you actually pick out stuff and go, Well, this is one and this is one and actually it really didn't merit anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. This always, you know, actions have consequences and you know, this it's always, you know, a balance and if you do something wrong and then you have to make up for it and um and that is a good way for, you know, a group of people to live together in a society, but it's not really the way things uh-huh. work in the rest of the world. Like, there are plenty of times when, um, you know, the squirrel makes a mistake and the coyote eats him, and the coyote never, uh, yeah. you know, never feels bad about it. You know, the squirrel screwed up and he got eaten. You know, there's no forgiveness, there's no, I'm, yeah, I'm that's sorry. Yeah, you know. that's what it is. Yeah, it's just, you know, life goes on, death goes on. So, but when you've got big, complicated brains like us, and we all have to live together without hurting each other, then there's all sorts of, you know, rules and customs and rituals and things that really smooth the way for people to live together in close proximity without, you know, murdering each other every day. Yeah. Well, and I'll go a step further on what you said. The coyote, the next day, he spots a chicken coop, right? Yeah. And he smells the chickens, and he goes to eat the chickens, and he gets shot by the farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, that's life. So he got away with the squirrel. Yeah. And he was doing what he was supposed to do. Hungry squirrel eats him. And the next day, he's doing the same thing he's supposed to do, but then the farmer's doing what he's supposed to do, protecting his chickens. Yeah. I think there was, uh, yeah, it was a song by The Doors. Uh, it starts out uh, five to one, baby, one in five. No one here gets out alive. 
and the the uh, oh, yeah. he sang you know he wrote that song during the Vietnam War when you know young American men were getting drafted and killed, but the uh, the message he was saying was, "You're alive, but everyone dies. No one gets out of this you know life alive, so we're all gonna wind up dead in the end. Do what you want, and take chances." And you know that's the way most wild animals live. Yeah, and also, and also, it, it is. And also, look what happened to Jim Morrison. He lived like that too, right? Yeah, yeah. lived uh, lived very hard and yeah. fast. Well, they say live live hard, die young, and leave a beautiful corpse. Well, he did two out of the three because the corpse that's he left he behind was not beautiful. Yeah, he did not leave a beautiful corpse. <laughs> no, he was. No. he was when, pretty. When he was done, he was unrecognizable. Yeah. He gained a lot of weight. He had a big old beard. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he was he, the heartthrob uh, he used to be. But then he never wanted yeah, to be. He, uh, yeah. It wasn't his idea I, I, to be a sex symbol. <clears throat> no, it was. He was made that way. He, he was always the tortured poet. Yeah. He was the guy that always had angst about something and always yeah. had reservations about something. And, you know, he did not feel like his life was blessed at all. He was just doing what he felt he had to do to survive. It was really, really a weird scenario because he yeah. was not a rock star, and the, and he proved it with half of his concerts. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Jim Morrison himself he, he said that... Uh, really? Go ahead. We got the time delay. Sorry, guys. Oh, <laughs> he was either brilliant... Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's, it's driving me nuts, too. Uh, okay. It's either... He was either brilliant or he was horrible. Yes. And there's no in-between, and that's where he lived. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, Jim Morrison said uh, in, a, um, in a number of interviews that he had a very transformative moment uh, when he was a uh, pre-teenager. Uh, his parents uh, lived out in, I think, the Southwest, and there was a traffic accident. And uh, as they were driving past the scene of the accident, he saw um, the bodies of the people that were in the cars, you know, laying out on the road, you know, mutilated, dead, just just horrible for a little kid to see. And uh, mm-hmm. they were Native Americans. And he said he felt the spirit of one of them enter his body as he drove, as his father drove them past. Um. I imagine at the very least what happened was he was horribly shocked and uh, forever changed by the sight of human beings ripped apart and dead, which is pretty horrible. Um, And the part about the Native American spirit entering his body, you know, whatever happened, that's how he interpreted it. Maybe that is what happened. I don't know. But that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. um, if I get a chance a little bit later, I remember reading about that. And I never put this two together. It's like um, now I just did. Yeah. Uh, Soundgarden on the back of a side two of Super Unknown. Uh-huh. There's a song I believe it's called Fourth of July. Yes, it's the same thing. It's about a child. Yeah, seeing all these bodies laying on it, you know, all over the highway. Uh-huh. And I believe it was almost the same circumstance too. Yeah. I wonder if it was taken from that or if actually uh, um, 
Chris Cornell actually really witnessed something like that too as a guy. Um, I, I'm leaning towards he took that part of Jim Morrison's life and was writing about it, because I've never heard anything about Chris Cornell ever having an experience like that. But I've heard about Jim Morrison's experience from several sources. Um, and given okay, the fact... Okay, if you get a chance to look it up, I believe yeah. it's called Fourth of July because of all the fire and everything. You know, he drove up as a kid and he saw all the different colors and flames and fires. And uh-huh. it's like, oh, this is like the 4th of July. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know the song you're you're talking about. It's on Super Unknown. Oh. I think it's on yes, Super Unknown. Yeah, on the second side. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. It was probably written about Jim Morrison then. That. That's what I would think, yeah. But I'll look, I'll, you know, I'll look it up. I'll check it out. Um, I. I will too. That that just kind of piqued my interest there, very yeah. because the way you described it was exactly how I remembered the song. Yeah, uh, listening to it, reading the back of the liner notes. Uh huh. Wow. And then we've learned about Jim Morrison's father being heavily yeah. involved in uh, naval intelligence, and uh, so yeah, you never know what Jim Thanks might have overheard uh, as a kid, or you know, his father was apparently very strict. Um, Jim Morrison's brother said mm-hmm. that the home life really wasn't all that tense. It's, you know, Jim was always rebelling and always getting in trouble. But Jim Morrison's uh, brother said, uh, you know, he didn't think his dad was like super strict or abusive by any means. But it just, Jim just couldn't handle any kind of authority. And his dad was all about military authority. So, of course, they didn't get along. <laughs> yeah. And um, Jim Morrison's yeah. brother, I can't remember. Well, actually, I can't remember the brother's name, but he said when the first album came out, and uh, they had the song where he says, uh, uh, "Father, I want to kill you," and "Mother, I want to fuck you." He he was playing that album and didn't yeah. realize that part was on there, and, and he said his dad was you know over in another chair reading the paper, and when that part of the song came on, he said his, his dad's hands clenched the paper real tight and he was shaking and eventually he just got up and stomped out of the room <laughs> imagine hearing your own son on a record wow. saying that he wanted to kill you and <laughs> Jeez. i mean it was amazing yeah. enough for me to hear some yeah. guy singing about it but his own father actually heard him singing that on this on the records wow that was powerful <laughs> well hey and, and, and think about this. Think about all the apologies for Jim Morrison over the years. He, said, he meant it met- metaphorically. He didn't mean it for real. Now, I think he kind of meant it for real yeah. to piss his father off. Yeah, yeah. And You know, all these people go, oh, it's just a metaphor. And it's like, no, he was trying to drive the point home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he wasn't such a nice guy. Morrison was, uh, was pretty much... Um, he was very self-centered and very much a user. He would use uh-huh. everyone around him for what he needed. Uh, there was a, another example that uh, his, yeah. his wife attested to. He said she came over and there was a groupie there that Jim had just had sex with. And, you know, even though the girlfriend showed up, it was like, you know, oh, no big deal. I had sex with this person. Who cares? And before kicking her out, uh, Jim Morrison went through her jewelry and took a bunch of stuff from her and gave them to his girlfriend and then kicked the girl out. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, and the girlfriend was like, oh, cool, thanks. Wow. And put him on, and then everything was normal. It was like, ew, <laughs> what a weird-ass way to live. <laughs> I couldn't have handled it. Um, I mean, if yeah, I'd ever made it as a, as a rock musician and gotten into that kind of lifestyle, uh, I don't think either I would have, you know, dove in and died, or I would have been repulsed and, and thrown right back out. But <laughs> who knows? But I don't think I could have just, yeah, I you know, treated I, it I like normal. Nah. Nah. No, that, that takes a special kind of asshole, in my opinion, to do something like that. Yeah, kind of like a, the sociopath mentality where you you don't care at all about anybody's feelings but your own because your own feelings are the only ones that, that you think are real or matter. You know, it's like, oh, I hurt your feelings? You have feelings? I, I huh? Think <laughs> <laughs> that's you know what I think his poetry kind of points to that anyhow, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He felt deeply and passionately about a I number mean, of things, of and you know he did write love songs to his his uh, girlfriend and then common law wife Patty. But uh, I don't know. Uh -huh. He it's like he liked the idea of love, but he couldn't ever be a loving uh, husband or or bandmate or anything he was always very selfish uh. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was born with something missing yeah that's what i'd like to say yeah and you know the yeah, times something missing in the emotional cycle yeah the uncertainty of of the era with you know you've got the daily instant threat of nuclear annihilation from the soviet union You've got the Vietnam War, where you're going to get yeah. sent over there and and mutilated and shot, tortured, killed, whatever. You've got all these drugs and psychedelia. Uh, everyone's starting to get into defiance of authority. It's just, you know, it was a wild and crazy era. Uh, I wish I'd been a little older then, so I could have experienced it a little more. Um, but definitely a product of his times. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the founding members of the Twenty Seven Club, he and Janis Joplin and uh, Jimi Hendrix yep. were uh, some of the early members of the you know celebrities who die at twenty seven. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the first one was Jesus Christ, right? I think so. I think so. Um, let's see who else. Trent, um, Trent well, Reznor. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails was almost a member of the 27 Club because he said that uh, he, uh, there was a point where he, he had released the album, done the tour, and then he's like, well, I think I'm just going to kill myself now. <laughs> and then he decided not to and went on and did other things. But I think at age 27, he was seriously contemplating it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and when he got happy, he lost his edge to music. He just, yeah, his music just progressively went downhill because he went to therapy and got better, and uh, yeah. he don't have good music anymore. And who was uh, Scott Weiland of STP Stone Temple Pilots? Um, my ex sister in law uh -huh. always said that when he cleaned up and got off the heroin. He just he couldn't write music anymore. You know his songs kind of sucked, and then when he got he got you know, fell off the wagon and went dirty again, his, you know, the next album was awesome. So, and I think Scott Weiland felt the same way. Yeah, I think he felt the same way as in order to produce good good art, I need to be all screwed up and 
on the edge of death. So I think he made the decision to go ahead and uh, yeah. continue the risky lifestyle. But I, yeah, he, he was yeah, older. Yeah, but it caught up with him. He wasn't twenty-seven, but no, he was he was older, but craziness. Oh, on the on the, another uh, just side yeah. note on the uh, um, subject of uh, dead rock stars, uh, you you remember the uh, the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Um, and then, yeah, oh yeah, one of the, one of the people on the plane, the drummer, Artemis Pyle, uh, he survived the crash and Uh wasn't so badly hurt. Uh, he was able to get out and walk and go for help. And he walked for a few miles and he found a farmhouse and he went up and started knocking on the door asking for help. And the farmer came out and shot him. (laughs) didn't kill him but he shot him because here's this here's big long-haired guy with blood all over him and he's banging on the door in the middle of the night and the farmer came out and shot him <laughs> how would you like to survive a plane crash and then get shot by a farmer <laughs> that is horrible isn't that that's a bad day that's a really oh bad God. day <laughs> yeah that <laughs> Oh my god, you know, you'd have to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> oh my god. But, you know, he recovered and, you know, he went on like, to be the drummer like again. Like... So, <laughs> He's <laughs> he got a great story, though. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh my god, that that is funny as hell. Oh, man. I mean, not, but yeah. It's just. And, wow. and that would be a good example of, you know, of what Europeans would shake their heads and go, ugh, Americans. <laughs> Americans and their guns. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, they'd be like, oh my. Yep. They're like, that's why we don't do things like that over here. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, but. But anyhow, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting that that happened because, like you said, you think you're having a bad day. I <laughs> look back into his day. Yeah. Well, I have an interesting wow. question uh, for you. Here's, I, okay. The question is, do you really own your phone? Do any of us really own no. our phones? Yeah. No, we don't. No, it's all on lease, but it's not really put down like that, but it is. So, yeah, here's um, here's where I they started act thinking. like you own it. Yeah, yeah, they make you buy it, and they make you pay sales tax on it, but it's got a monthly charge mm-hmm. in order to use it. You know, it's completely worthless without, you know, the monthly charge. Uh-huh. Um, they, yep. they already have plans to make your phone obsolete, and doesn't work anymore, so they've already they've already made plans to for you to buy the next one. Um, the phone itself mm-hmm. doesn't work for you. It you know if your if your phone is an Apple, your phone works for Apple. It tells Apple all about you. Uh, if your yeah. phone is a Samsung, you know it it works for Samsung. The apps that are on your phone, they don't work for you. You know, they like your Facebook app. It works for Facebook. It doesn't work for you. 
the operating system, like your Android yeah. operating system, which is made by Google, the basic operating system doesn't work for you. It works for Google. So everything about the phone yeah. costs you every single day. None of it works for you. All of it is gathering information about you and spying on you, yet we think we own it. We think it's ours. It's not. <laughs> it isn't. It just, there's no yeah. way you oh, own that and phone. And <laughs> Imagine if your car here's, forced here's you to drive to certain gas stations. Or it, it made you get air mm -hmm. for the tires at certain places. Or it required you to go to a certain repair shop or it just wouldn't work or oh no you can't put you know Philip 66 gas in me you have to drive over here and get it from this Sunoco station imagine you know buying a car and then your car makes you do all that shit but we put up with it from our phones uh <laughs> no we do put up with it from our phones yeah. and I, I have even more proof remember the famous murder cases where Apple refused to turn over pings yes and personal information. Yeah. yeah, well, that right there shows you they only work for themselves. Mm -hmm. If they're not concerned about one of their customers being murdered and maybe cracking the case, they're more concerned about bragging about privacy. Yeah. And that tells you right there they work for themselves and no one else. Yeah, that that was a big deal as the government was trying to get them to, to break into the phone and they were filing court injunctions saying no because our customers depend on our privacy. And meanwhile, this poor person is missing presumed dead, and Apple's concerned about their share prices. And probably dead because Apple, yeah, Apple didn't turn over the evidence till like, way later, I believe. Yeah. Was, and so that person probably died because they're, what, yeah. At the very least, Apple delayed long enough to where they had no contribution and didn't help at all. They just stonewalled and stonewalled. Yeah. So... It's, yeah. it's it's something that, and, you know... And it was all for show, out. too. Yeah. Now, you at the same time... Yeah, they, we, they did we it for show because yeah. they wanted... <laughs> Love this time delay. <laughs> go, go ahead. I was saying the uh, same no, thing. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> the same thing happens with, uh, like, we think we own the land that our house is sitting on, yet we have to pay taxes on it every year. And at any time, the government could come and take it from us if the government wants it for something. So, the uh, well, illusion. yeah, I mean, look at the eminent domain law back uh, in 06 that was passed in 06. The eminent domain law guarantees that the government can take anything at any time for any reason and pay you what they determine is the fair value. Yep. And they're doing it in the name of all of us. And here's another thing. Yes. And here's another thing, too, is they can take a non-commercial property and pay you residential, and then after they take it, they turn it to commercial, so you don't get the amount of money it's actually worth. Yep. <coughs> they do that all the time. Yeah. They, they're like, they don't pick their hand, though. they'll take it and, you know, and not really tell the person the reason, and then they'll change it to real estate. The uh, commercial use, and they'll triple in value, and they're already taking it from you, so there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. But we all put up with it. It is, it is kind of a an illusion 
that we own our property, our land, or whatever, because who do we buy it from initially or get it from initially was some government office said, okay, now this is considered your land. So the government has always been the one to Mm -hmm. say, all right, we will agree to call this your land. They can change their mind. No one can stop them. So you think you own that 100 acres, yeah. but you yep. discover uranium or, or something on it, and the government says, ooh, we need that. And they kick your ass off. <laughs> yeah, yep. Thank- and that's why that eminent domain law back in 06 was so important. Mm-hmm. While everybody was worried about Afghanistan and Iraq, they were passing laws like that. Yeah. Well, back in the, uh, in the 40s, when yeah. the U.S. military was trying to develop uh, an atomic weapon, anytime they would find uranium mm-hmm. or plutonium or any of the possible fuels, they would kick off whoever was living there, claim the land. And generally speaking, it was Native Americans uh, on reservation land. But the government would come in and say, ooh, there's mm-hmm. uranium under your feet. Everyone, get out. Go somewhere else. We own this land now. Even though the government had said, oh, this this and, land is Indian land and will be forever. <laughs> Ten years later, they come back, ooh, we didn't know there was uranium here. Get out. <laughs> so off they went. Yeah. And, so, and also, as, as recently they, uh, as less than 100 years ago, the government was kicking people off their land because they wanted the minerals underneath it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And they also portrayed it like, we're doing this for people because we really need this for energy sources. Uh-huh. But actually, no, they wanted it for profit. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, uh, there's yeah. plenty of ways for polit- for government officials and employees to make enormous profits through their job, which is illegal, but since everyone's doing it and everyone's been doing it, all the channels are, are really well oiled, and everyone knows who to bribe and how to hide it. And you, know, you get elected to public office not so you can do that job and earn that salary, but because it opens doors to an immense area of corruption and greed and undocumented money. That's the real reason to go yeah. to politics. Yep, that's a <laughs> that's a good point too. That documented money is a great reason yeah. right there. It's just it's. It's just free money. It's like catnip. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So, it, anyhow, like right now, this this is why I like Susan so much on a slightly different notice. It's because uh, I'm just sitting here, just looking at the calming ocean. Yeah. Just kind of floating in it. And to me, this is just like the ultimate getaway. Just sit here and just look at nature. I'm on my own private balcony. Yeah. Uh, and just sitting here, just look ocean. And this, to me, this is like the ultimate recuperation of yeah. all the bullshit going on, of everything that we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's I I remember getting out onto the balcony of our uh, condo in the Gulf Shores. And yeah, you just stand on the balcony and look out mm-hmm. over this bay and then the Gulf of Mexico. And oh, it was just so peaceful and welcoming and calming. And that's that's kind of my happy place is when I yeah. I close my eyes and remember being there, you know, just sitting on the on the patio furniture, playing my guitar. And oh, it was just so wonderful. 
Yep. It's a good way to recharge. I, I forgot. I forgot my damn uh, laptop this oh. time, though. You know how I like to ride up on the leader desk? Yeah. Yeah, but because of all the fiascos of the uh, of the plane uh, airline companies, I forgot to bring my laptop, so I don't get to sit up on the Lido deck. So now I just put them in my phone, just ideas that I'll have to hash them out later. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself a big, big writing. But to tablet. me, it's like a really. <laughs> And uh, to me, it's like the ultimate uh, great place to come up with ideas because it's so relaxing. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah. So, and, and I could get playing guitar out there. Yeah. Because that'd just be the ultimate freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Wouldn't have been so cool if I'd been playing my drums out on there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar is a little nicer. <laughs> oh, it would have been for me. Yeah. If I didn't want to hear it, I'll put on my headphones. I just want to hear everyone else grimace. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Drumming is one of those things that it can be perfectly... Uh-huh. Go ahead. No, no. You... Oh, it can be perfectly great drumming, but it still bothers people because they don't want to hear it at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's... You know, like you get some sort of gentle jazz drumming with the brushes, and it sounds pretty nice. But you know, you get Lars from Metallica up there, and he's you know, <laughs> getting loud and rapid. It tends to make your heart race. So. <laughs> people, people try to get their coffee going it on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, how about I run upstairs and grab some more coffee and we do a, a little bit of runoff here and then I'll come back. Okay, sounds good. All right, let me go get my coffee. Uh, I will just sit here and look. All right. Okay, sounds good. I'm back. Did you miss me? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> yep. People probably heard some weeping. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> well, I decided to uh, use the bathroom as long as I was up there. So, Coffee in, coffee uh, probably out. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I have... Coffee has to go somewhere, right? It, it does. It does. Well, I have a long... I have a short... Um, uh, you bit that we could talk about and then i have a longer piece about okay. uh, the quindaro town site in kck and i've got a longer piece okay. about a list i found of uh, uh unwritten rules that people of color follow in order to get along in a mostly white society which is pretty interesting okay the two more the two more serious important pieces I think we ought to do when I'm not here on the line. Um, I'll be back Saturday, so Sunday or Monday, whatever day we decide to do the podcast. Let's save the two um, African-American stories for that. I agree. um, I don't think it's going to do justice to the calling. Right. We can do more back and forth and and get into it more in depth when we don't have a half a a continent time delay between us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. I don't want to cheapen it up like this. I right. mean, this is just fun and all that. Uh, when we get back, we'll do that one, and I'll make sure that it gets out before uh, February is over. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. All right, well, the uh, the other thing I had was... Okay. Uh, um, um, this is not you know directed at us specifically, but just a general question for people. If you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. and and your significant other um, has rules for you that don't apply to them, does that mean you're an employee? And here's wow. why I'm thinking about employee. Okay. You're being paid with affection. If you behave the way your significant other wants you to behave, they pay you with affection. But they don't have the same rules. They don't have to behave the way you want. Now, affection could be... I've known, for instance, like this. Yeah. You know, an affection could be, you know, sex uh, or yeah, holding yeah. hands or... I won't freeze you out, or you don't get the silent treatment if you do what I say, that kind of thing. But yeah, or it's, I won't leave you. Yeah. Now, it's very common to see this on, on TV shows where there's a relationship, and one person in the relationship can do this and that, and the other person can't. And that's good for you know a storyline on a TV show, a plot point, etc. But when it happens in real life, it's actually pretty soul-crushing. Because you've got these restrictions, and mm-hmm. the person you're with doesn't. And then from the other point of view, if you're the one dictating the rules, it's like, well, the one I'm with has to do this, this, and that, but I can do anything I want. That's not really a relationship. That's a dictator. Or a boss. No, it isn't. Like a really I've toxic boss. Like this. I've known a few for it is like this, Christopher. Uh, it's funny you say that, because I've known five or six people over my lifespan that I've known operated like this. Yeah. And the number one thing I can say is, number one, it, it never lasts. It doesn't last no. because that person that is controlling you gets forward and they move on. Yep, yep. Um, an example I saw was uh, a, number, a young couple. Number two. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said this young couple, I, I, I remember, okay. they had a calendar in the kitchen and uh, we, when we'd go over to this guy's house, you know, someone noticed that the letters ML were written on certain days on the calendar. And someone asked the guy, he says, what does ML mean? And he was really embarrassed about it, and he said, it means made love. My wife keeps track of every time we have sex and writes it down on the calendar. And I thought, holy crap! She writes it, not only does she keep track, but publicly keeps track. (laughs) Wow, so she can always march to the calendar and say, Look, I screwed you just last week, so leave me alone. Oh, we never never stopped giving that guy shit about that, because that was just, that's toxic as hell. Yeah, okay. Number one, I'm going to blame the person that's putting up with that because of lack of self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Or someone that gets over what they know they should. I've seen this happen when I was younger, especially. Not so much now because people grow up and don't do it. But when I was younger, there was this kind of a, I don't know, a halfway decent-looking guy. 
with this knockout chick, and the only reason is because he puts up with her doing whatever she wants. Yeah. And then he keeps buying her dinners and taking her out, treating her like a queen. And yeah. then she'll go, well, I'm going to go out. Okay, sure. But you can't. you got to stay home. Yep. You know, and, and it, they get it for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then that, uh, that hot chick, if you will, uh, she gets bored because the guy is just, he, she could, like, leave him for three years. They yep. come back and go, I'm sorry. And he goes, sure. What do you need? Yeah. And on the opposite end, the guy, um, um, okay, the and one I'm who's sick. being abused, could suddenly, you know, accidentally run across somebody who treats them well. And they're like, oh my God, this is what a real relationship is supposed to be. This is, you know, holy crap, I'm getting something out of this relationship. So then they see their previous ones like, oh yeah, that wasn't working. So the person who's in control I, and I would, running the relationship, say, if, if that, if their other person finds somebody who's decent, they might just run. Um, I think that that happens. All aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all new Amber Herd Alert system. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. This clever machine has three distinct settings, babbling brook, ocean waves, and roaring river for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. If you enjoy two dispatches and a microphone, you'll definitely enjoy a shovel to the head. But in my case, that I've seen the uh, the the proverbial hot chick, if you will, uh-huh. or however you know how I'm just like setting this like that. Okay, the proverbial hot chick leaves because they they get sick of it. They're just like, you know what? This guy is just always going to do everything I say, and there's just no glory in it. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that they they want more of a challenge, more excitement out of it, and it's like it's just boring. It's like whatever I ask, he does. Whatever I tell him, he mm-hmm. says, okay, this is boring, this is dull, and they go looking for excitement elsewhere. And, you know, in a relationship like that, the one who's the, you know, the proverbial hot chick, whether it's a guy or a girl or whoever, um, they will be getting some on the side long before they leave because they yes. need the excitement, so cheating gets yes. the excitement, and then more dangerous cheating, and then finally they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of this, I'm out. So... Those, yeah, those relationships exactly. are very destructive. But you see them. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I go, I know guys have put up with it because they wanted that proverbial hot chick that they could never get because they didn't have enough looks or money or whatever it would have taken. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if they get to the point where, whoa, and, uh, I can't believe uh, my luck, like, then they're, they're, they've totally given up all control. Yeah, and I call it working for emotion. Yeah, what that's you're doing good. is you're you're doing a job for emotion. Uh-huh. That's it. You're getting emotion out of it that you don't think you normally deserve. So that really does put you as an employee. To me, it does. Yeah, you got a really lousy boss that you. I mean, get I don't know how other with, people guess, feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know how other people feel about it, but to me, it looks like a job. It's like, well, I got to do everything just like this, otherwise I'm going to get fired. And, you know, it really does become a job because a person like that, they'd have to spend a lot of their waking moments trying to figure out how to please the person who is automatically displeased with Exactly. Them. Yeah. Wow. That would be a tough job yeah, to have. Yeah, exactly. It's working for emotion. You constantly are wanting this person to love you and to fear you and to think about you. And, it, you know, when it happens, you're still doing it. And then finally they're just like, you know, they're like, yeah, there's, there, there's no glory in it for me. Yeah. Because all they worry about is themselves. Because this guy will do whatever I want, whatever I want. Yeah. So they move on. And then the patsy is the one that always thinks back and go, man, gosh, I miss her. Yep. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better to keep her? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, there was nothing they could have done to keep her because that's the way the whole thing was. That's the way it was uh, happened, and that's the way it was always going to be. Pretty much, yeah. That's there's really not much other way for that relationship to progress other than just to blow apart. Wow. I don't know, you know, I could name three people right now. I mean, it wouldn't matter because I don't even know if they're still alive, actually. In my teenage years, they've done that. They're a little bit older, and they did that. They you know, they put up with whatever because yeah. of that chance of maybe getting sex or just even, I don't know, uh, hey, let's be seen together in a restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gosh. The status, too. Mm-hmm. The status is another thing, and I know guys that, like, you know, they, they would never say it, but I know that was part of it, was the status. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm out with going stuff. No one else is. But it doesn't matter that she's calling her real guy, the, the guy that she gets sex from and everything else. Uh-huh. She's calling him from the payphone. And, yes, I said payphone, because back then it would have been one. <laughs> calling him from the payphone in the lobby of the restaurant that you're buying her dinner. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, so I would definitely call it a job, and I would call it a really shitty job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is like below fucking dish dog and they're digging a ditch. <laughs> yeah, even the cadaver-sniffing dogs have it better than these guys and gals. It does happen to girls, too. Yeah, they're like, at least I'm not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it does happen to, to women, too. You know, I've, and and, and I've, I've seen same-sex couples... Where yes, it's it you know one of them is the hot one and the other yep. one is the is the desperate pleaser, so it's not just it's not we're not mm-hmm. we're not anti female it's not just girls doing this but the, using the term proverbial hot no, chick no, no. kind of encompasses yeah it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that they're all hot chicks the, yeah. most, the most prolific ones that I remember in my lifetime are the ones where the hot chick is doing this to this guy that just wants you there. Yeah. But I do, I do know it happens in other types of relationships, too, yes. Yeah. But I'm just correlating it to what my most recent, most standout moments in life where I've seen this happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember one couple where the, the chick wasn't even a hot chick, but she was hot to him, and that's all that mattered. I mean, nobody else thought she and was actually, hot. Actually, I've known a couple of them, too. Yeah, but she had it. She had it over him, like she could leave him at any time. 
Yeah. And and for whatever reason, he fell for it because he just thought she was that hot or whatever. And there again, self-esteem, maybe, you know, oh, never get another girl or not one as good as this. I better just put up with whatever because it's better than being alone. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that people that do that can see it in other people, people they can manipulate. They just walk along and go, hey, that one right there. Yeah. I can tell. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, they, they're, they're like sharks. Uh-huh. Well, I remember going to a, a, a party for, uh, um, I think it was a birthday party, but a number of the people I worked with at uh, a certain uh, post office in, in KCK, a bunch of us at the station were going. <laughs> and uh, we got there, and uh, within five minutes, my wife Cindy had sized up several people. And uh, she pointed out one particular uh-huh. as being very dominant, domineering, um, uh, had to be in charge, just, you know, as my wife put it, total bitch. And it took her five minutes to size mm-hmm. her up. And I thought, wow, she's exactly right. Because, you know, I'd known this person for five or six years, and we got along great. You know, I consider her a friend. But I could only be her friend. I could never be a romantic partner because I see the way that she treated people who liked her and depended on her, where she had emotional control. It's like, wow, yeah. don't ever be somebody that she has emotional control over. She's fine as a coworker, fine as a friend, but don't ever be emotionally tied to her because then she's got you hanging by your hamstrings. <laughs> yep you know what it, it, it's funny too because man cindy is so good at observing people and nobody even notices it yeah yeah she's she's really perceptive and uh she's opened my eyes a number of times she'll yeah. say something about somebody and it's like no and then later it's like oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yep yeah, no, 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 I've seen her do that before, too, yeah. and it's a knack that people get just by, I, I don't know, you know, I have some of it, but not as keen as she is, you know, yeah. we all have that spidey sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some, some some people have more than the spidey sense. They yeah. just can kind of look at someone and go, you know what, I can just kind of tell by their mm-hmm. demeanor that they're like this or like that. It's like sometimes you can walk up to a group of people and you can spot the alcohol. Right. Yeah. Just by just by the way they look, maybe they have like a Jim Blossom nose. Yeah. And they're kind of sloppy looking, and they're, I, you know. Yeah, they've got a look you know, about them you that can you can spot identify. Stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah, and that that also keeps me, you know, yeah. really honest yeah. with her myself because she can see right through me the way she sees through everybody else. So, <laughs> you know, and there are times where I'm thought about that. Yeah. Like, oh shit. And there are times when I'm lying to myself. I'm trying to fool myself about something, and she can see right through it. And she calls me on. And it's like, damn, how how did you know? And I didn't even know. <laughs> it's like she'll say, "You're upset about something." No, I'm not. That is it. She says, "Yes, you are." Oh yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's well, it's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> you know what? That is the that. That's an act that not everybody has. That's just, that, I don't know, that comes from within somehow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think you're born with it. 
you know, I, I do, because I've known people like that, not just Cindy, but I've known people like that. And it's just something you're, I think you're born with, you have this natural intuitive that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, I, I, people often tell her that she missed her calling. She could have been a counselor or a therapist um, dealing with, you know, people's emotional issues because oh, she's I, so good at it. So. Oh, I know. I, and, like, one of her best sayings is that I just enjoy the hell out of it. She, It's true. And I never thought about it like that until she said it. Uh, and I heard it a couple times from her. People only treat you as bad as you let them. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's that is, a big thing. That is, is the God's on the street. Yeah, you don't have to. Always look at your part in whatever's going on. You always have a part in whatever's going on. Otherwise, it wouldn't affect you, or you wouldn't know about it. So if if mm-hmm. uh, it's just like an old saying, nobody makes you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, yeah, you know, if, if if someone's treating you like crap, and you're still there, that's your choice. So. Yeah, it's just like no one makes you have a bad day. Mm. No one treats you like shit, and then you get mad and your day's ruined. That's on you. Yeah, yeah, it's your own reaction. You can. You, there's so much more that we're in control of that uh, you know we we could have mm-hmm. a much better day every day by uh, just realizing that you know what I don't have to do this. I don't have to be here. I could be the, doing that. I could just not pay attention to this person because I don't care about their opinion anyway. There's all sorts of choices that we can make yeah. to, to, to have just a better day every single day. And I don't do it. You know, I, I'm one of the people who doesn't do it as much as I should. So I don't know why. That'd be a good question to answer. <laughs> but yeah, we have a lot oh, yeah. of choices it, on it how is. our day goes. Here's, here's something. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I, I, that was all I was going to say. Okay, the time delay just screws with us something bad here. I know, we're going uh, to have to edit a lot of this out. I think say more, but actually you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also noticed something about myself here, too, is, uh, you know, I had so much fun bagging on the old job and everything. It's finally become boring. Oh, wow. I guess you've, got it, you've gotten out yeah, what I you hope- needed to get out. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, they're a bunch of dipshits, and they're pieces of garbage, in my opinion. And they and they did some horrible stuff to a lot of different people, and in my opinion, of course, you know. And and I, you know, I never mention their name out of principle because I don't think they deserve a name. They know who they are, yeah. and I'm pretty sure some of them have listened to it. Yeah, and it's just like now. It's just like who cares? You know what? <laughs> it all comes back on them. And I don't want any part with it. I'm glad my hands are washed to those filthy pieces of crap. And yes. I'm very happy about that. And I thank God he got me out of that situation. You know? And uh, now it's just kind of like, a, why even bother? They they suck. They know they suck. They know how bad they are. And that's it. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's a sign that they have lost their emotional control over you. Because the, in a lot of ways, even though yes. it's a crappy yes. job, you didn't like it. Just the idea of, of losing your job is pretty horrifying. So that was something that yes. they could still do to hurt you. But at this point, you know, you've you've gotten used to it, and you realize they can't hurt you anymore. They can't do a single thing to affect your life anymore. So they're just 
You know, it's yeah, like exactly. looking at a like a dead bug under glass. You know, it's like, oh, remember when that was? Ha ha ha! And you can move on because, you know, they can't touch you. Yeah. Now. So once yeah, they can no was, longer touch you, you don't really feel all that angry towards them anymore. No, it's just like who cares? You know, they're still the miserable people they are, and and I'm happy. I'm happy as I've ever been, if not more. Um, and then, and then another thing is, is uh, I wanted to leave that place anyhow. I just didn't have enough guts to, because they were so bad in the way they treated everybody and that miserable stuff they passed off as insurance and, yeah. and how they ripped us off of the hours constantly, you know, and I was ready to leave that place anyhow. It was just mad that they made the decision for me. True. And that's what really got me and made me better. And then now I'm like, I don't care who made the decision. Thank God I'm out of it. Yeah. 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 That's how I feel about the post office anymore. Yeah, I so, used to spend yeah. a lot of time ranting against them and being angry and you know trying to expose things about them but anymore it's like i just don't even care (laughs) you know they're gonna they're gonna reap what they're sowing without my help so (laughs) Uh, here here uh, here, i'll just cap this off hey place by the blue river run by trash owned by trash eat a bag of shit again (laughs) this may be last time you hear me say this on a podcast if I see you in person, I'll make sure and let you know. Yes. But uh, other than that, eat a bowl of shit and live. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, it's, uh, guess what? I'm still cruising. I'm still having a blast. Yes. I'm still enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. So, like that Elton John song, and, I'm still you know standing. And, and the old... I'm still standing. Yep. Remember that Elton John song, yeah, I'm Still that's Standing? That's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. That song is so true. If you listen to the lyrics, he's just kind of like, I'm still standing, everything's fine. Yeah. Don't care, you know? Tried to knock me down. Here I am. Oh. Yeah. I saw, yep. a, I saw a billboard uh, the other day that... Yeah. Uh, um, I know I'd seen this before, but I've forgotten about it. We were driving by the stadiums, and there was a big red billboard that said, change the name and stop the chop. And then the web address was endracism.org, I think. So I, I remember I've uh-huh. heard about this before. It's it's a group that wants the Kansas City Chiefs to change the name of the team and to abolish the I remember them. the tom well it used to be called the tomahawk chop but we call it the chop now um but yeah the weird thing is okay about the chop the audience the crowd's going to do that anyway you can't go to 70,000 people individually and and make them all stop no, they're, they're going to do it and you can't throw them out they're, for they're doing not gonna it stop. They're gonna no, do- it's going to keep going so give up on that and number two, uh, I looked it up again just to verify it. The Kansas City Chiefs were named after a white man named uh, H. Rowe Bartle, a former mayor of Kansas City, who, yeah. starting in 1962, also very famously Bartle Hall, Bartle Hall, Rowe Boulevard, etc., uh, his nickname was the Chief. And starting in 1962, he was agitating Lamar Hunt to move his team to Kansas City. Um, Eventually, Lamar Hunt Mm -hmm. did. Uh, Bartle was out of office by then. But 
in thanks to you know making such a welcoming place, he renamed the team the Chiefs after H. Rowe Bartle and his nickname. Now, true, originally they had some caricatures of Native Americans with headdresses or whatever. That's to sell the name. And they still have an Arrowhead logo on on the helmet. Yeah. But the, the fact is that the Arrowhead Nick- is not derogatory. Yeah, yeah. But the name, the Chief and Chiefs, came from a white man named H. Rowe Bartle. That is a fact. So if you yeah, want the so Chiefs think, to change the way they market the time and effort and breath on this is insane. Yeah, yeah. And it, so keeping the name is definitely um, doable because they're not, you know, they're no, they're not the Redskins or the Cleveland Indians or you know the so and so whatevers. Yeah. Um, they have a legitimate source for their name. Now, if you want them to market the team differently and show, I don't know, like some politician sitting behind a desk as the logo, and that's the Chiefs, then we'll do that. But the name ain't changing either. You could market it differently without any references to Native Americans, but the name is valid. The arrowhead needs to stay anyhow because there's not derogatory in any way. No. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a proud symbol. And you know what? The Native American peoples weren't the only ones that made arrowheads. Everybody made arrowheads, spear exactly. points, yeah, axe heads. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting ready to bring that up. Native Americans yeah, did not invent so. the arrowhead yep. and they don't own it. Everybody does. Yeah. So yeah, that's in just... that time, I don't think they've ever gathered that much steam or clout. It's no. because people know it's just it's Someone, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if they're they're trying to gather a slush fund or if they're just misguided or whatever. But it's, the, it's, the a, rep, it's a reputation maker. Be attempting this with so many other atrocities. Yeah, but it's a reputation maker, and it's never going to go anywhere. So it's a safe thing to yell and scream and rant about. But you never have to put any serious oh, effort that's into why, it. That's why. Yeah, you never have to put any serious effort into it because it's never going to go anywhere and it's never going to succeed. So it's something they can point to and say, "Look, here's my community activism," and it's just bullshit because it's not going to work. <laughs> yep. You know what? You're right. It's just show. It's just show. So, all right. I think I am going to get off of here and. Uh, Go wrangle up some breakfast somewhere and try to enjoy a little bit of the sunlight. Alrighty, I hope we get some sunshine here today. We still uh, cloudy and rainy here, but that's all right. I'll stay inside and do stuff. Oh, good luck. It's gonna be it's gonna be cold though, right? Yeah, it's gonna get down uh, twenty four tonight. In fact, it's supposed to. I think just start dropping later on today. Probably by evening time, it's gonna be a lot colder. Yeah. So. Oh, well. Oh, well. Here's an interesting <laughs> fact real quick on a different note. Yeah. My phone just tried to call an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a trick to get them to meet you out there. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you could strap like a... I don't know why my phone did it, but it just... <laughs> you could strap a car seat onto like a dolphin or a whale <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden it shows up kind of like at... Um, optical commercial where the lady comes up in the CD and says, hey, we got your glasses. Yeah. 
Sounds great. All right. Well, enjoy your time there. Say say hi to your other half for me. I definitely will. I mean, like I said, I don't like the smaller things, but it's the only one I could fit in with the time I had off. So, you know what? Four days is four days. It's better than being here. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, what am I saying? You're there. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, man. All right. We're going to... All right. I'm, I'm going to go up and I'm going to go chow down on some of the dead food. All right. Have have a good time. All right, Christopher. All right. All right I'll talk to you soon, Topher. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Where'd everybody go? We're the douchebags. Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells. <laughs> <laughs>